You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. First one of the new year. Glad you could join us. Talking next right now at 1-800-919-3776. A little later, we'll turn our attention to wild card weekend in the NFL. Oh, it's been wild too. Right now, the Eagles with a 17, trailing 17-9 over the Seahawks in the early in the fourth quarter. Earlier today, Vikings defeated the Saints. They now move, as you just heard, to face the 49ers next Saturday at 435. I know we'll talk football a little bit later, but didn't that look a little bit like pass interference to you on the last play? I mean, all season long, what have we heard? If the receiver gets an advantage, that's pass interference on the offense. And I realize that you don't see it called a lot on the offense. I do. I understand that. But on that, and do I have a feeling that they don't want to make a call like that to end the game? But still, the letter of the law, how it's written, was the offensive player gained an advantage by pushing off. That is the definition of pass interference, offense or defense. Just something to think about. We'll talk about it a little bit later. 1-800-919-3776. Let's see what Spike's got cooking. He's first on the drive. What's up, Spike? Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. It's good to have my friend Larry Hardesty back on the air, and we got a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. I hope you're well-rested because I'm going to do a little bit on the next and one football comment and then listen to your great show. Thank Here's you. what I try to calculate. I'll be 74 years old next birthday. I've watched probably 10,000 basketball games, and I've never seen a player, and I'm jogging your brain a little with this diatribe here too, like Lou Williams. Oh, he, he constantly, this is not one year or two years or three years. This is six or seven years. I don't care. Look, he, he probably uh, comes off the bench more than he starts, but he's not a great jumper. He's not a great shooter. He's not great at getting to the basket, but the combination, compilation of all three of those things, he knows how to play ball. He's the guy in the schoolyard, you know, you took the best player, then you took low. He just is magic to watch how he gets the edge, how he gets called, how he drops the shoulder, he gets to the free throw line, he shoots everything at a high percentage. And the thing that I realized about him, this was a game we definitely should have won. You got to make the free throws. I'm not Mm going to tell you, ask you to read the boxes. I could tell you that the the Clippers shot 55 or something percent from three point range because that's what they do. And the Knicks don't, they don't even make it difficult for them. But Lou Williams knows how to get to the basket and how to draw the foul. Do you know what kind of assets that is when you turn around and you go first guy off the bench? Yeah. Oh yeah. Gigantic, Larry. It's gigantic. He's he's in the league, what, 12 years, 10, 12 years? Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's consistent. He's been that way. And the minute he got put on the bench, that's what he's done. That's what he's done. We saw Starks do it for a couple of years. Yep. We saw a bunch of I can name why. J.R. even got a year. Shot selection stunk, but he made the shots that year. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 and I watched as a kid. You saw Havlicek do it, and then they made him a starter. Mm-hmm. But I never saw a guy. I'm talking about probably a five or six hundred game span. 
come in and just be, I don't know, he's one of the six men of the year, I'd say three, four times, mm-hmm. and, and he probably could win it every year. He's just amazing. And here's the part that bothered me, and I like this new Nick coach because he's too. a pure basketball guy. Yes. He, he's making the right moves. We missed Alfred Payton. How'd you like to see Alfred Payton with his old hair doing Reggie Bullock on the court at the same time? <laughs> That would, be, that would be a treat. But, uh, look, they got to play these guys. Uh, I said to Alan on his show Friday, I think he was doing the K show, and he mentioned something about Julius Randle playing really well the last couple of games. I said, I'm going to get Mr. Hardesty. We'll fuel up the car and drive him wherever he wants to go right now. <laughs> well, to be fair to him, Spike, he's, he's played better. Yeah, he can't. That's what I'll say. He's throw. played better. Well, he's not alone. No, I know, but did you see Milikina try and take the free? He, he, I know. The technical foul. He walked to the free throw line knowing he wasn't going to make it. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. And Luke Morris fine. He's, he's a scorer. He takes he good. He's a, he'd be good on a real good team. He'll be, he he'd will be. be. Right, right. So, so what are we left with? It's game 36, I want to guess. We're left with the same two pieces. I'm done with Knox. I'm done. Done? done. It's over? Done. D-O-N. Really? Done. You see anything with Kevin Knox that you like? He's been rebounding better. That's about uh, it. Yeah, well, he gives He's been rebounding. That's, that's about it. Any defense? No, but he's okay. not alone. Okay. Mitchell <laughs> and R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett took took uh, Pooty take up to the hoop early in the game. He went right by Paul George. How does Paul George foul out at home in 25 minutes? Isn't that amazing? It's, it's 26 minutes. He had 32 points in 26 minutes. Maybe the referees were tired of watching them play. <laughs> yeah, they might have been, I'll tell you. But uh, that's, a, that's a good team. I love Doc as a coach. Oh, I love great. Doc is a very good coach. And to think about it, if he didn't get Rondo, he might not have won. And they're trying to do yeah. it uh, in the same building with Rondo. But anyway, it's great to hear you. I wish you the best. I uh, One quick football comment. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought when Kyle Rudolph, I believe it was, mm-hmm. you know, Every you know what do they say? Father time uh, undefeated. I yeah. saw Brady. Brady wasn't that bad. He made the pick six. Brady just doesn't have weapons. He yeah, have weapons. Yeah, Brady. Yeah, you're right on that. But Breeze fumbled for the first time. It wasn't a good game for Breeze. Really surprised at him because normally he's he's big in these moments, Spike. You know he's normally big in these moments. Did not have it. Had a pick. But had Kirk a fumble. Came up big. Yeah, yeah. He did? And and you know what, too? And here's the other thing, too, um, Spike. And thanks for the phone call, my friend. Always good talking to you. Here's the other thing from him. You know what, to be fair, his offensive line did not play well in big moments. There were times when, and give Minnesota's defense a lot of credit, because that front continually put pressure on uh, with their schemes on what New Orleans was trying to do. And so Breeze did not have the usual time that he has. And even when he rolled out, they were, they had, they, they did what Jet and Giant fans prayed that their teams would do defensively more consistently than they do. They sealed the edges. So when Breeze wanted to roll, he had nowhere to roll to. That's why they got him from behind because they did a nice job with the integrity of their rush. They, they had integrity to their passing lanes. They did a really nice job where they boxed Breeze in to the point that there were a number of occasions where he wanted to run out, had nowhere to go. So it was a combination of really good Minnesota defense, uh, a great game plan, uh, Drew Breeze not playing his best. And the other issue they had, quite frankly, was, you know, and, and you understand why guys like, <laughs> I love watching it, guys like Ray Lucas, who used to play in the NFL, don't like kickers. 
<laughs> because, like they say, all they have to do is is make field goals. That's all they do. All you have to do. They they get to practice off to themselves on the side. They they're not really a part of the regular practice. They're not part of the eleven on eleven. They're not part of the seven on sevens. They're not part. They have their own crew. It's the kicker, the holder, and the punter. And they just work together off to the side. They've got their own field. And, you know, they have their own coach, their own staff over there. And all they have to do is kick field goals and punt. That's all they have to That's all you want them to do is not mess it up. And, unfortunately, for New Orleans, their kicker, who had made 18 consecutive, 18, Missed one today. That would have been huge because here's the thing. Minnesota gets a, on, on the turnover. Minnesota marches down and they score. And so you're thinking, oh, this could be, this is a momentum turner. And then a, on a couple of bad plays, I just praised the Minnesota defense, right? But on a couple of bad plays by Minnesota, they now get the ball. New Orleans has the ball with an opportunity. Okay. With an opportunity to, uh, kick a field goal to cut, to tie the game. And they don't do it. They miss it. Lutz misses it. He had made 18 in a row and he missed that one. And as it turns out, that comes back to haunt them and they lose because if he makes that three with the three he made in the fourth, there is no overtime. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast on 98.7 ESPN. You know, as I said in my presser on Saturday, on uh, Tuesday, um, we had substan- I had substantive this, uh, conversations with Steve and John over uh, the last couple weeks of the season. And, uh, you know, they, they made their decisions. Dave Gellerman on the Michael K Show. Responding to the question, were you surprised Pat Schirmer got fired and you were kept? <laughs> no, a lot of Giant fans wanted him to uh, say bye-bye. It's The Drive on 9870 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Some more interesting comments from Dave Gutterman on his conversation on the Michael K. Show last week. Let's get his thoughts on Daniel Jones becoming the starter as quickly as he did. Did you ever think, Dave, that, that Schirmer would want to replace Eli after game two? And did that give you pause when he did? It was it, it, no, it did not give me pause. Did you when you started the season though? Do, I know that you said in your press conference that you know obviously Jones came along a lot quicker than you thought. But did you did. did you ever think it was going to be two games? No, very frankly, no. So in retrospect, was that the right decision or the wrong decision? Was what the right decision? Going to Daniel in Game Three. Going to Daniel was the correct decision. Yeah, I guess so. Because they determined that they wanted to see where he was going and what he was going to be able to do. And as it turns out, with the way the defense played, you know what? Maybe it was. Now, listen, you don't know at the time that Dallas is going to struggle the way they did, that Philly was going to have the injuries that they had and still find a way because they beat the Cowboys in Week 16 to win the division. And you knew Washington was going to be Washington because they were in a similar situation trying to bring in a new quarterback. So I think in hindsight, if you're looking at, well, you know, there's a couple of games we might have won that might have been the difference. Okay, but you're not looking at that. You're looking at 
you know what? We need to see this kid play because Eli Manning's in the last year of his contract. And guess what? We're, we're probably not bringing him back to be a backup because he's not going to want to sign for that cut pay. So it turned out to be the right decision. You wanted to get this kid as many reps as possible so you could start the season with him rolling. That's what you want. And that's what you have. And yeah, he was hurt and he missed a couple of games and he was able to sit back and look and watch and come back and play. And now you know going forward what you have in Daniel Jones. You know. Talking about the quarterback search, I mean the uh, the coaching search, Dave Gelderman was asked if he'd be willing to give up some personnel power to the new head coach. This is a, this is a collaboration, okay? And it's all about, excuse me, whatever needs to be done in the best interest of the New York football giants, I will do. But you're the more experienced of the people making the decision because you've been there and done that. Well, again, it's a collaboration. All right, so Dave, obviously you've got Daniel Jones, and we talked about him. Does this mean because he is your franchise quarterback, you believe, that you don't want to hire a defensive-minded coach. You want to go offense. What do you think? In terms of Daniel Jones having to grow, does that eliminate, Dave, a defensive-minded coach, or does that no. not matter? No, we need we need the best coach for the New York football giants. And that could – so Daniel's maturation can also be done with a defensive-minded coach. Be bringing the right offensive guy, sure. The defense. I mentioned it earlier. It struggled. They gave up a lot of big plays, a lot of big plays. Couldn't get off the field on third down. Big holes in the secondary. Dave Gelderman, are you pleased with the defense? Well, you know, it's. it's I think that, you know, they all made progress, but I, I, I think that um, we lose sight of how young they truly are. You know, when I first got in the industry, we're drafting 23, 24-year-old men who played, you know, major college football four or five years. Now we're drafting 21-year-old kids who've been in college for three years. And what they don't understand is they're about to line up against 28, 29-year-old men who are um, going to try to rip their lungs out. It's, 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 a, it's become a bigger jump. It's become a bigger jump. And the college game is not our game. It's a different game. So there's a lot there's a lot to learn and a short time to get there. It's a lot to learn defensively, but offensively these some of these young defenders are seeing some things that they've seen in college because there's a big influence, as I mentioned, on the college game offensively. Things that you see offensively you've seen a lot. There's a college influence to it. There's some fresh new things that you see. And that's okay, that's good. But listen, whenever you have as many young guys as the Giants had, especially in the secondary, there's going to be some issues. The problem was that you didn't see, you saw some improvement, but you didn't see the communication that you needed to see. And obviously, when you know you're going to have young guys in the back end, you need to have veterans and a pass rush up front. And the Giants didn't have that. And that's part of the reason why they got beat down so much. Charlie's in Woodside. Hey, Charlie, you're next on the drive. Larry, happy 2020 to you. Uh, good to talk to you, Larry. Same here, Charlie, and the same to you and yours. 
Okay, Larry, I got two things. I got, I mean, on the overtime rule and the this fraud gentleman. First on the overtime, um, I think the Saints game. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I think there's two points on the Saints lost this game. Um, the two minute dry on the second before the first on the first, end of the first half before the uh, what is that? Two minutes. I think they kind of managed that really bad with the clockwise. Mm-hmm. The interception. He should they should have took down to all the way to the two minute warning instead of before I take making a point on two minute war, before the two minute warning cost them and the field goal misses or whatever. But in my mind, the biggest problem that I have was the overtime rule is an absolute joke. That's a joke. I mean, you got the last three games, three seasons. I mean, to this last, what, how many playoff games you got last year with Mahomes never get a ball chance to get a ball in overtime. Brees don't get an overtime in my mind. Here's the deal. The, the overtime rule, you can't, they have to play at the whole quarter. In post, come postseason time, play at the whole quarter, and whoever has, um, whoever wins the scores at the end of the quarter, wins the at the overtime wins the game. If it's tied at the end of the OT, keep playing, keep playing. That's how to do it because it, it's a joke. Whatever about the passing, the non-passing interference call, uh, uh, what is that? Rudolph. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that needs to change. That needs to change. That's the first point I got. And on the second point. Larry, why fraud is fraud gentleman stays. It is an absolute joke. Pat Leonard say on the New York Daily News said, um, I was on one SNY back on Monday, the Giants are heading for doomsday because keeping this fraud, uh, this Boston rat around. I mean, a couple of questions on the case show. He said, oh, um, did you fire uh, Shermer? He's like, no. He's like, come from upstairs. That's, I mean, that is, that is, he's not in charge. That's, I mean, that's almost like Snoke, where uh, in Star Wars, he's, he was like controlled by uh, some like uh, cats upstairs. It is a joke. This dude has no vision ideal. Uh, the price tag on me, he said about his, he was, oh, the money quote was, uh, I thought I, we can't win, um, uh, we can't win while we're rebuilding. What an absolute stupid, stupidity. Mara and Tish. All the giant way, they're trying to boot giant way, old school way. That's not going to work. You, That's not working. In my mind, they, I mean, what I want for the head coach, talk about McCarthy, rule, everything, because the Patriots eliminated mm-hmm. the guy that I want back is Belichick. That's the guy I want. So, yeah, so we're going to get gentlemen out of here. And we got, I want Belichick back. Charlie, I got news for you, my friend. It's great talking to you in the new year. Gettleman's not going anywhere. And Gettleman's not going anywhere because the Maras did not want to have another general manager where they had to let go in a couple of years. They really, listen, if Pat Sherman had done a little better, he would have, he would have been back. The Giants are not that type of organization that want to have constant change. They're not, that's not what they are. That's not how they, that's not how they roll. That's not how they react. That's not what they like. That's not what they do. All right, so now they're in a situation where, okay, we got it. Guys won nine games in two years. Got to let him go. But to change the general manager, no. And to them, I'm sure they will tell you the fact that they got whom they believe is their franchise quarterback as the general manager, he gets more time. It's very rare that a general manager has only two years to see his program through. It's very rare. 
John Idzik was a rare was a rarity. And that's because he inherited a coach. And I think Woody Johnson at that time was furious because he saw that what John, John Idzik did was the free agent money that was available, he was holding it for his head coach that he was going to be able to bring in. And Woody Johnson's like, excuse me, I'm, I want to win now. <laughs> you can't be holding my money <laughs> to bring in your coach. Guess what? I'm taking care of you. You're not having a coach. So these are the issues. So look, I know you're unhappy with Gettleman. A lot of Giant fans are unhappy with Gettleman. But the fact that you got he drafted Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in back-to-back drafts buys him time, especially the young quarterback. Buys him time. So now it is going to be interesting, and it is, I grant you, it is not the way you normally like to do it. You kind of want your GM and your head coach to be on the same page. So normally you want your GM and head coach to be in lockstep where they are coming together. Kind of like what has ended up with Adam Gase and Joe Douglas, even though Joe's got a longer contract than Adam. They're still in lockstep. They have worked together, so you know they're going to be on the same page. So we'll see what happens with this giant team. It is going to be interesting to see where they go now. Because in the uh, in the upcoming draft, they are going to be drafting in the number four spot behind Cincinnati, Washington, and Detroit. And they have a lot of things they need. They could use a pass rusher like everybody else. They could use some, uh, you know, uh, offensive line depth. So we'll see what they do. Pass rusher is number one on their list, clearly. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty. We've had a lot of conversation tonight on the show. We've been talking about Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. That is now complete. We know who's going where for next week. Uh, we talked about the Knicks, and we'll hear from Mike Miller at the bottom of the hour. They had an interesting contest, in case you missed it while you were glued to football. We talked about the Giants. We'll hear from Joe Douglas in a minute, but let me just uh, wrap up what happened for the uh, wild card action today. Today was the NFC star to be in the limelight. Yesterday, of course, in case you were under a rock somewhere. Overtime, it was Houston over Buffalo 22-19. to And one of the callers earlier mentioned about the kid Allen, quarterback for Buffalo. And it was so interesting because as I was listening to uh, our broadcast on ESPN, and Booker McFarlane was talking about how well that Allen was handling, you know, the poise, what poise he showed. And he was. He was doing a great job of that. Running, not, not forcing anything, taking what the defense was giving him. He did it. And then Houston and J.J. Watt turned up the pressure. And he struggled. He struggled. He started throwing the ball all over the lot. He did some things. So, listen, this is... It's painful. It's painful for the Bills and their fans. But it's a necessary learning situation for that young man. And when he comes back to play in the playoffs again, if they are fortunate enough to get back there, he will not make the same mistakes he made. He will understand what it takes and not panic. And you kind of saw him just, okay, I got to get rid of the football. I can't be in a situation where I'm losing yards. And he is correct. But you don't throw it on the field of play. You throw it out of bounds. And that's something that young quarterbacks, 
you love it, and, and Sam Darnold's done it, and Daniel Jones has done it, and there have been a lot, a lot of young quarterbacks who have done the same thing. And you understand it. You want to make a play. And there's nothing wrong with making a play. Okay? Like, Watson made a play <laughs> when he refused to go down when he should have been sacked. And he gets out of the sack and throws the ball down the field that ends up to be the winning score, lead to the winning score. Okay, yeah, everybody wants to make a play. You got that. But you know what? Sometimes it's better to live. You have to look at where you're throwing and say, you know what? I got to throw that away. I've got to throw that away. And that's what, you know, unfortunately, Allen didn't do. And, um, you know, it cost him. It cost him. So, but once again, he will not make that mistake. I, I get he will, he will be, I'm not going to say he definitely won't make that mistake, but I will say that he'll be better prepared and understand from experience that, okay, there's a time. All right. There's a time when you go for that situation and there's a time when you don't. And then was not the time. But it was an entertaining game nonetheless. And then yesterday, we've talked about it earlier. Once again, sticking with the AFC, it was Tennessee with a 2013 win over New England in Foxborough. And now all the questions swirling. Is this the end for Tom Brady in New England? I don't think so. I think he's going to come back there. I don't think so. I think they will bring him back. They, they, what they have to do clearly is get him some better help. He needs some, he needs some better receivers. I mean, Edelman is outstanding. We understand that he's a very good player, but when he's the only guy, the sure-handed guy and Tennessee did a very nice job in taking the run away from them where they could consistently move the ball on the ground. After the first half, they took they took some of the bullets out of Tom Brady's gun. I mean, listen, they ran Julian Edelman for a couple of carries for 12 yards. That's how good a job Tennessee did in defending the run. Sonny Michelle, 14 carries, 61 yards. James Wright, one carry, 14 yards. They did a nice job. Whereas Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry <laughs> stole the show. 34 carries for 182 yards. Wow. And tough yardage in that fourth quarter when you knew Tennessee was going to run the football with Derrick Henry and still couldn't stop him. So the AFC is now set. Beginning next week, next Saturday, you've got the Tennessee Titans visiting the Baltimore Ravens, 8.15 on Saturday night. Mm. And then, of course, on Sunday, you've got the uh, the Texans heading to Kansas City to face uh, another very potent offense. So that's going to two good games. So Saturday, 8.15 uh, for the AFC nightcap. And then on Sunday now at 4.30, at Saturday at 4.35, 
You've got the Minnesota Vikings jetting out to San Francisco to face the 49ers, so that's your Saturday matchup. Vikes and 49ers after the Vikings 26-20 overtime win over New Orleans under the dome earlier today. So that's at 435 and the Titans and Ravens at 815. Then next Sunday, Texans at Kansas City, as I mentioned, at 305 and Sunday night, Seattle motors into Green Bay to face Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in what I'm sure will be frigid weather. <laughs> it's Green Bay in winter. <laughs> what do you expect, right? So that's going to be an interesting matchup. And the question will Seattle be able to, and, and here's the interesting thing with them, and you saw Beast Mode barrel in for a run for a touchdown today. Another week of practices gets him another week in game shape, air quotes. So if it is indeed inclement weather in Seattle, he will be, I believe, even better prepared to handle more of a load offensively if they need it. If indeed that's what's needed, I think he'll be better able and better have, you know, more stamina, be in better football shape to handle, to handle that. I mean, listen, Russell Wilson can move the ball on the ground. You got two very mobile quarterbacks in that game. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. As will the uh, Titans Ravens. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. It's shaping up for a really good football weekend next weekend. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty. Boss it. It's The Drive on 987 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. This here's a jam for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females get jealous. Okay, smarty, go to a party. Girls are scantily clad and showing body. A chick walks by, you wish she could sex her, but you're standing on the wall like you was Poindexter. Next day's function. So we've been talking uh, so much in our conversation tonight about, obviously, the... Wild Card Weekend, which is now concluded. You know what the games are next week. We talked a little bit about the Knicks, and we'll come back and complete that total circle about the Knicks. We'll hear from Mike Miller in about 15 minutes or so about his thoughts on the game, which was a really entertaining game. Ebbs and flows, roller coasters, you can use a number of different words to describe the game. It was it was just crazy. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Right now, let's talk to you on the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Sam is in Flatbush. Sam, what's up? Larry, what's going on? I'm doing great, Sam. Happy New Year. How are you? Larry, I'm doing a lot better. Let me tell you that, Larry. You should have seen Sam from Flatbush last night dancing, going nuts, screaming when those Patriots went down, Larry. <laughs> oh, it was a great night. You weren't alone, Sam. There were a number of people uh, who were dancing and jumping up and down. Okay, Larry, now what I wanted to say about the Knicks. Yes. You think Marcus Morris is doing a little additioning tonight for those Clippers? You know, it was funny, uh, Sam, and thanks for the phone call. You, there's rumors that, that I had heard some rumors that the Clippers were interested, but I heard on the broadcast that the Clippers are not one of the teams that Marcus Morris is allegedly, that they are allegedly interested in his talents. Although, listen, to be honest, I understand why if that's the case, because do they need anybody else? I mean, Harold was dominant today. Lou Williams is always dominant coming off their bench. Uh, 
Marcus Morris, I tell you though, to be able to score and defend would add something to Doc Rivers' bench. There's no question about that. But, um, listen, I know he wants to stay. Everybody talked about it. Uh, Hans spoken about it. Breen has spoken about it. Cohen has spoken about it. He wants to stay. He wants to be on this team and he's made it clear. He wants to be part of the solution and the part of building on this team. The problem is, he is such an asset right now to be able to get better talent that you may have to sacrifice him. You just may have to because of what he could bring you on this team, especially if you're a playoff team, even in the East at the deadline, you would love to be able to add a player of his experience and caliber, defensive toughness and ability to score to make your bench a little deeper. So he may want to stay, but remember, he's got a one-year contract. So easily, they could move him. Would not be surprised if they did. David's in Jersey. David, you're next on the drive. Hi. I don't think Edelman should get another shot. My 15-year-old daughter could have picked Saquon Barkley, and I think um, <laughs> Daniel Jones wasn't necessarily the best pick either. I would have worked on building an offensive line or getting some defensive uh, tackles. Well, I'll say this, David, uh, in Gellerman's defense, he really had to pick a quarterback because he knew that, uh, Eli Manning was in his last year. They weren't going to resign him. They weren't going to extend him. Thanks for the call, David. So in that sense, uh, he had to take, he had to look for a quarterback, especially since he didn't take one because he took Saquon Barkley. So he was really locked into a quarterback. The fact that he took him that high, there's been people who have said that maybe he shouldn't have, maybe he reached for him. But what you've seen from Daniel Jones right now would give you the sense that, you know what? Hey, he did a decent job. This guy is right now lined up to be your franchise quarterback. So at this point, as the general manager, you give him the credit. Once again, David, normally your general manager does not get just two years to turn things around with your franchise. I understand you're not happy with him. I understand that many people are concerned with the Leonard Williams contract and the deal there where he's given up two deal, two possibly two draft choices if they're going to sign him. And obviously they're going to sign him. I understand that there's some questions that you have with some of the moves he made and his admission on the Michael K show last week that he thought he could rebuild and retool at the same time. And he was wrong, even though it's very hard to do by his own admission on the same show, that is very hard to do in the National Football League. You just don't do it. It's hard to do. Especially when you've got an aging quarterback and a suspect offensive line and you're trying to rebuild your offense. Did Saquon Barkley help? Yes, of course. He's a, he's a world-type running back. He is a great running back. And you would hope that quarterback would help running back and running back would help quarterback. Well, now we'll see what happens going forward. Do they need some more work done on the offensive line? Yes. Was it better than it was the previous year? Yes. Do they need a pass rusher? Yes, like a lot of teams. That would certainly help them hide and gain more experience for their young secondary. But yes, so Dave Gettleman has made some mistakes. But the giant front office felt that they wanted to keep him around to finish the job. And there's no question in my mind that Daniel Jones being performing as well as he did for a young quarterback, showing the poise, showing the 
high completion percentage and his accuracy is one of the reasons that Dave Gettleman is staying. Yes, they have to work on the fumbles. Yes, they have to work on ball security with him. Absolutely. And he will get better at that because they will drill it in his head. Whoever the next head coach is, whether it's Rule, whether it's McCarthy, whoever it is, they will do that. Because that's what he needs to do. That's what you have to do to be successful. I don't care who you are, quarterback. You can't turn the football over. Look how big turnovers were today and this weekend. Turnovers send you home in the postseason. And even veterans make mistakes. Drew Brees with the fumble today. Drew Brees with the pick today. It's part of the reason why New Orleans is home. And the mistake of not allowing his guys to get set before he spiked. And guys not with miscommunication of knowing what happened with the spike that caused them to to settle for the field goal instead of trying to go in the end zone and possibly win it in regulation. Mike is in Queens. Hey, Mike, you're next on the drive. Good evening, Larry. How are you? I'm all right, Mike. How are you? Happy New Year. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it is 2020. Uh, Larry, the New York uh, football giants. Uh, when on the Michael K. show, Michael Donnelly asked him every which way, when you were hired, was there where you told you had to win and keep Eli Manning? They tried and tried, and he never told them yes or no. He never answered the question, Larry. We all wanted to know what, how, you know, when he was hired, what did the owner say? We couldn't get that answer, Larry. Uh, the fact, the only reason why they even fired Turner was because of what? Tish wanted him gone, and Tish finally got into Marizia. But when Gettleman said about hiring the coach, it sounded like the Jets, Larry, where the owners are in, are in charge and the GM is just kind of like speaking just because he has to speak. I thought the Giants were better. I thought the Giants knew the GM picked the coach. I, I'm confused, Larry, because hearing when I heard Gettleman speak about how they, you know, about how, about how they were going to hire the coach, about how they fired the, uh, Shermer, it seemed like the owners told Gettleman what to do. And it was like the Jets. So when does so what does so does GM do anything or is it all the owners? So if it's the other Giants, I think they've lost their way, Larry, because it's, 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 it's like the Jets. The GM isn't doing anything, so I'm surprised. I thought it would it, it would be a gentleman doing the closing shirts, but the owners seem to be involved. And Larry, that's a bad that's bad, Larry. That's bad. The owners can't be involved. Larry. When, when they when they're involved, it's bad. Teams don't win like that, Larry. Well, I'll say this, Mike, and thanks for the phone call. It's it's it 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 depends on how involved they are. If it is a situation where they're sitting in the room when Gettleman is doing the interviewing and they may interject something, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's bad. But I agree with you. Gettleman kind of made it seem like Tish and Mara were doing the interviewing and he was just sitting in the room, <laughs> maybe interjecting a question or two. So I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. I'm not really sure how that will work out, but I agree with you. Normally, look, the owners have to be involved because they're going to make the final decision. Gellerman's going to say, look, this is my guy. This is the why, this is the reason why I like him. These are the things I like. Even if they bring him back for a second interview where the owners sit back and say, okay, we understand this, but we have some questions. So that's what has to happen. So I agree with you. If it is, if it is, the way that Gettleman kind of framed it, 
where no, that's going to be no, that's going to be the owners. I'm, I'm, you know, they're going to handle that, unless they're saying that it's not totally his decision because he's on a short leash. And if that's the case, then perhaps they should have let him and Shermer go at the same time because then you've got a general manager with the head coach that would be in lockstep with each other. doesn't mean that Gettleman and whoever the new head coach is can't be in lockstep, but it would be easier if both of them understood that they are both culpable and will be on the same terms that they have to work together. Otherwise they're both in, you know, in a similar situation right now, because general managers really have a different time frame. Coaches are looking at winning now. General managers are looking at sustained success. How do I get the players on this team that help us win continuously? Not just this year, but going forward to have year after year after year being a playoff team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. That's the general manager's job. And so usually it's nice if they are on one one accord. It'll be interesting to see who the Giants bring in and if indeed, if it's Matt Rule, the rumors were that he wanted to bring in his own coaching staff, have his own, you know, crew, didn't want to have any incumbent coaches when he came in with the Jets, and that was a deal that was that was a, a deal breaker. Will he ask the same of the Giants? And if so, will the Giants agree to those situations? It's fascinating. Thanks for listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts.